When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. What is up? Welcome to episode number six of the Alex Fast Show. Okay, quick refresher on what we're doing here. Every single MLB pitcher is in the big leagues for a reason. Maybe their arsenal possesses something unique. They have a distinct release point that allows them to succeed. What the show wants to do is find out what that reason is, or at least attempt to find out what that reason is, right? Every week, I'm going to be doing an exhaustive dive on one pitcher. We're going to peel back the layers on what makes that pitcher tick in the process. I'm going to be breaking down some high-level pitching concepts. Um, Usually, what I'm doing is I'm going over to Twitter and I'm doing a poll. And that's great. Sometimes when I'm like indecisive, I can go there and think of a few players and have people vote on it. But then I've kind of been realizing that the pitcher that has always been chosen is like the the one that is most in the zeitgeist at the moment or the one that is kind of the hot new guy. Like think of Yuri Perez in the most recent one. And I knew that if I <laughs> went and did a poll, I, I think I did actually a couple of weeks ago and made JP Sears an option there just really didn't, you know, it didn't really stand a chance. It didn't stand a chance. So I just made an executive decision. And I said, you know what? I want to break down JP Sears and hopefully this podcast will give you a reason and why also in looking at how the I'm going to be very transparent in looking at how these podcasts have been performing over the past couple of weeks first and foremost the fact that it has any listens blows my mind why would anyone even want to listen to me but I've also noticed that some of the lesser known pitchers have actually performed better in terms of how this podcast is doing in terms of listens so I said you know what let's give it a shot let's do a guy who probably wouldn't get chosen in the poll a guy that I'm interested in covering and that is JP Sears obviously thank you so much for tuning in feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at AlexFast8. If you have any feedback for as long as Twitter remains, who knows, soon you might have to reach out to me on Thread or on Blue Sky or whatever other Twitter alternative is going to pop up in the next couple of weeks or days or hours or months. That feedback is crucial to me. The last thing that I always say at the beginning of each episode is I am learning. This is a podcast that we can all learn together. There are going to be certain things that I say that hopefully are right, but if there are things that you want to have a conversation about, again, reach out to me. The whole point is that we can all get together and learn about pitching together. So, like I said, today we are breaking down J.P. Sears. So he's a 27. Who was J.P. Sears? Right. Let's take a, let's take a breath. Who is J.P. Sears? He's a 27 year old left handed pitcher. Right. Who was a prospect who came up with the Yankee system where he actually hit his stride in, in AAA. Right. In 2021, he put up a 287 ERA over 53 and a third innings. The next year, he followed that up with a 167 ERA on 43 innings. K rates were, were relatively high for him, especially with what we've seen so far, right? 32% uh, K rate, really impeccable whip in the minors. He makes a few starts with the Yankees and he does relatively well. Most of the time he kind of comes out of the pen and then he gets traded, I believe, as a part of the Frankie Montas trade. And he's got a rough couple of starts in Oakland, right? The season, however, uh, this season, there, there have been some improvements, right? He, he's brought his ERA down to 409, which obviously isn't sparkling, but this isn't a fantasy podcast. We're just talking about the facts here. Uh, it's a half a run improved from the uh, f- about 47 ERA he had in his original 48 innings pitch stint with the A's. The FIP is still relatively ugly at 491 with a slightly more encouraging 435 Sierra. Sears has made strides with his whip. It's down to 105, which is very good. We've seen the K rate and the swinging strike rate jump up considerably from what we saw last year. Last year, I think the K rate was around 17%. This year, uh, 23, 23% K rate, still a far cry uh, from the 30% K rates we saw in the minors. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's an improvement 
from the sub 20% that we saw last year, right? Definitely an improvement, a step forward. The swing strike rate, however, more in line with some of the AAA numbers that we saw. While his command isn't necessarily George Kirby levels, he's got a 5.2% walk rate, and that's well below the around 9% league average for walk rate. Sears also has a 243 BABIP and a 76% left on base rate. He's giving up a career-high 57% fly ball rate, and that's a career-high across all all levels as the sample size in the bigs is only about 170 innings pitched right so to summate so far right this year we've seen strides from sear in k rate in swinging strike rate and whip with notable improvements in performance overall how did he do that um well for that we're going to need to take a deeper dive into the arsenal itself and before we do that i actually want to do a quick high level version of just who he is as a pitcher right before we get into the nitty-gritty so I, you know, we kind of already did that, but we're gonna, I guess we're going to go a, a level deeper into the parfait, peel back the onion a little bit more, just stick with all the Shrek references. Um, let's start by looking at uh, who he is, right? So he's got a four-pitch mix. He's got a four-seamer, a sweeper, a changeup, and a slider. Now, we're going to get into this in a little bit, but some sites are just going to say four-seam slider changeup. Some are going to say four-seam sweeper changeup. I'm 99% certain it's a four-seam sweeper slider and changeup. Overall, he goes to the four-seamer about half the time, 52%. The sweeper about 26% and the changeup about 13%. And then the other slider, not a lot. It's a bit under 10%. It's not, I mean, maybe it's kind of a show me. I don't think so. He's thrown about 137 of them, 10%, like I said. Um, he does indeed throw a sweeper and a slider a bit different from the sort of curveball that he threw last year. And we're going to dive into that in a little bit. To left-handed hitters, Sears is largely four-seam based over 60% of the time with a sweeper about 30% of the time, right? So left-handed hitters, mostly four-seam sweeper, small smattering of change-ups and sliders. To right-handed hitters, still very four-seam dominant again, goes to the pitch about 50% of the time. The second pitch, still the sweeper, 25%, but he mixes in the change-up a bit more, about 18% of the time. No sliders, uh, I, I believe, or maybe it's just few sliders, few sliders, excuse me. Um, either way, mostly a four-seam sweeper kind of lefty. In terms of splits performance, he does slightly better against right-handed hitters, which is interesting, returning a 301 Woba, uh, better than league average. You know, lefties actually give him more of a problem, which is, again, interesting with that kind of sweeper that he has. He actually performs below league average when it comes to Woba against left-handed hitters. We haven't really broken this down with other pitchers so much, but there's a really important thing to note when it comes to J.P. Sears, and that's his release point. No other left-handed starter has a release point similar to J.P. Sears. It's fully an outlier. He seems to have made a bit of a shift uh, from a three-quarters guy to more of a pure sidearm kind of guy. He's not a submariner, right? He's not like kind of like a, a knuckle scraper like Rogers out in San Francisco. Um, I'm just going to say Rogers because I never forget what I never remember of the twins. I think it's Taylor. I don't know. I don't remember. You know who I'm talking about. He's not full like sidearm, like a Darren O'Day or anything like that. He still is a little bit three quartersy, but below where three quarters is. Uh, even last year, JP Sears was a bit a, a bit of an outlier, but this year he actually became even more of an outlier, shifting even closer to pure sidearm. If you're looking at a scatter plot of release points, right where the x-axis is horizontal release point and the y-axis is vertical release point, you'll see the largest clump about six feet vertically and about one and a half to two feet horizontally for left-handed pitchers, right? Those are the pitchers that don't necessarily have unique release points because there's a lot around them. For context, Nick Lodolo has a horizontal release point of over three and a half feet. 
which means his release point is closer to first base for a left-handed pitcher, right? Imagine that there's this kind of, you know, vertical line down the middle of the uh, mound, and then the further away you get from that as a left-handed pitcher, the larger the horizontal release point is going to be. So three and a half feet for Nick Lodolo, closer to first base. Nick Lodolo actually has the highest horizontal release point among lefty starters. For Amber Valdez has a horizontal release point of less than a foot, which just means that the release point is relatively closer to third base more than first base. JP Sears has a horizontal release point that's close to one and a half feet, which in a vacuum is not unique. Plenty of guys do that. But he also has a vertical release point of 4.82 feet, which is the second lowest of any starter in baseball behind Alex Wood, right? So he's not getting over on top of the pitch, right? Like a Felix Bautista or a Justin Verlander, he's getting down. It's very down, which makes sense with that kind of sidearm, right? When you combine the horizontal and vertical release point, you get one that is, again, incredibly unique among lefty starters. When you include relievers, it's also still relatively unique, though guys like Garrett Clevenger and Colton Ingram, you know, those household names are close. We also see quite a bit of arm angle variation in his pitch type selection. He's not a Jacob deGrom, who is, where every single thing is coming from the same place, right? And there isn't even kind of like a standard level of deviation. It's pretty distinct. Not enough that I think a hitter would necessarily pick up on it. And then again, that also is a conversation that is not definitive per my understanding, right? You can have a good amount of differentiation and the hitter might still not be able to pick up on it. Anyway, the four-seamer for Sears starts as the highest of the pitches. Then the sweeper gets thrown a little bit lower and the changeup being thrown the lowest of all, which kind of makes sense, and we'll get into that. I doubt there's enough disparity, like I said, for pitchers to, to or hitters to pick up on that over the course of a game. If they were able to pick on that over the course of the game, you'd think you see more of a drastic time through the order split for Sears, and you don't. He actually gets better as the game progresses. 338 Woba first time through, followed by 306, and then a 244 Woba third time through the order. I'm going to be fully honest, though. I don't really love noting third time through the order Woba, because more often than not, in my opinion, if you're fully seeing the third time through the order, it's maybe because you're doing well. Like, for example... Who's more likely to get to the fourth time through the order? A guy with two walks, four strikeouts, and five earned runs in a start? Or a guy with one walk, five strikeouts, and two earned runs? Right? It's likely the guy with more... Uh, it's likely the guy with fewer earned runs and more uh, fewer free passes. Man, I butchered that, right? You understand the point that I'm trying to make, I think. If you're doing well, you're more than likely not going to get pulled as you're in the middle of the third time through the order, right? Maybe it's an incorrect assumption, but it's my assumption. What does this mean? for J.P. Sears' arsenal overall. We are going to break down all of his individual pitches, and we're going to do it right after this break. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So, stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. So, let's start with J.P. Sears' four-seamer. 
right? So we've covered a lot of guys in this podcast. Well, I guess just five, but all the guys that we have covered have mostly had plus plus velocity, right? JP Sears is not one of those pitchers. His four seam comes in at like a perfect league average, 93 miles an hour. And really all of the velocities across all of his pitch types aside, maybe his sweeper come in relatively at league average. He gets a league average amount of extension and the effective velocity is about 93 miles an hour as well. So he's not a flamethrower, right? We get it. Sears gets a league average amount of vert, or hop, or ride, or carry, right? We, we covered that in the first episode, amount of essentially rise he's getting on the four-seamer. It's about 15, which is about league average. Uh, however, the four-seam sh- four shape is remarkably flat, right? I tweeted this yesterday as a teaser. The four flattest four-seamers in baseball are Andrew Heaney, Freddie Peralta, Joe Ryan, and J.P. Sears, followed by Luis Castillo. And there was kind of a common misconception I saw in some of the threads where people thought I was indicating by saying it was a flat fastball that it was a poor fastball. And originally, I was going to say, hey, Hey guys, that actually means that it's a good thing, but I kind of caught myself, or I tried to catch myself at least, maybe I didn't do it too well, because it, it a little bit reductive to say, yeah, a flat four-seamer is always going to be good. This is one of the things that I hope I bestow upon people over the course of this podcast, and it was one of the most frustrating things for me to kind of embrace as I was beginning to learn about pitching more. Every rule has an exception to the rule, right? You can't, it's what we talked about with spin efficiency last week. You can't say, oh, he's got a below average spin efficiency and therefore it is poor, right? You can have a below average spin efficiency and still have a good four-seamer. You can have a flat four-seamer and have it be absolutely fantastic. Joe Ryans is one of the best four-seamers in baseball, and it's incredibly flat, right? You could still theoretically have a flat four-seamer, and if you are putting it in the wrong place, it could theoretically not be a great pitch. So it's frustrating because, especially for me, someone who likes to have things nice and neat, (laughs) very ironic that I messed that up, and X equals Y and Y equals Z or whatever, you know, these things make sense. When you see this, it definitely means this, and that's really not the case with pitching. It just shows that it's incredibly individual, right? It's all based on that individual. Getting back to the four-seamer, though, for Sears, the similarity that virtually all the pitchers that I just mentioned have in common. So that's Heaney, Peralta, Joe Ryan, Sears, Luis Castillo. They all have low vertical release points. That's going to help maintain a flatter four seam fastball. The vertical approach angle isn't the only thing of note either, right? The the pitch actually has a a heck of a lot of ride to it overall, right? Um, He gets a negative 11 inches of horizontal movement on that pitch, which is the second highest in baseball for lefty starters behind Jesus Lazardo. If you're looking for kind of a lazy comp by movement profile in Velo, maybe it's Martin Perez's four-seamer, but Perez is missing a crucial element that Sears has in the vertical approach angle. His four-seam is not as flat as uh, J.P. Sears is. Remember, too, Sears is a lefty, so we're talking about run into the hands of a left-handed hitter. Sort of interesting, then, to see how often he attacks inside to righties, because if he misses, he's going to give up a barrel, ostensibly. It's also worth noting that this is a change for J.P. Sears. His four-seamer was not as flat with the Yankees, and he got even less vert last year, but he seems to have made some tweaks that's allowed him to up the amount of vert, I think by about an inch or two, I think two inches overall, get it more league average, and up the vertical approach angle to really be an outlier by being top five in baseball. With all this said, Sears is not someone who just sits at the top of the zone. He does elevate that four-seamer more than league average, but he also doesn't mind dropping down towards the bottom of the zone around a third of the time as well. What he does do, like I hinted at earlier, he comes inside a lot to both righties and lefties. He doesn't necessarily jam them up at the hands a lot, but he gets inside, down by the belt, down, you know, kind of like up at the hands every once in a while. He also gets a lot of fly balls on the pitch, and it's likely because of this flat shape, right? The, the fly ball rate has jumped from about 15% 
to, I think it was like 32%, which is in the 80th percentile. Um, I think it was 52% overall. With that, the under percentage, which is the amount of fly balls with extreme high launch angles, it's a good thing, right? You don't, you know, it's the, the, the launch angle is high enough that it's likely going to be a pop-up. And the infield fly ball rate, both of those, so under rate and infield fly ball rate, have both risen. But the thing is, the home run f- to fly ball rate is actually maintained. And it's not a very good home run to fly ball rate, which is rare because that's one of the most un uh, it, there's not a lot of um, stickiness year over year for home run to fly ball rate so it's interesting to see that he's incredibly up the amount of fly balls that he's gotten while maintaining the home run to fly ball rate while he's getting a lot of balls in play to the opposite field with this all those home runs are pulled and his pulled hard hit fly ball percentage which is like clearly the the you know the the worst hard hit ball that you could have right a pulled hard hit fly ball is more often than not going to result in a home run is like 21st which makes sense because he doesn't have a good home run to fly ball rate and it's definitely not ideal 21st overall in baseball Despite the not great home run numbers, the Woba is above league average at 320, and he does a relatively good job of getting whiffs with the pitch at 12%, a 12% swinging strike rate. What's interesting to note is the pure lack of called strikes he gets with the pitch. He has a near 14% called strike rate on the pitch, which is like bottom 20 among qualified starters, minimum 200 thrown. Oddly enough, Garrett Cole is like, excuse me, George Kirby is third, which is incredibly ironic. He's third overall in terms of four-seam called strike rate, but he's in the 99th percentile in slider called strike rate. Very interesting. I read a really good piece on side, armor, side armors and how they often have success getting called strikes, and this was on fan graphs by Alex Isert from this past February if you want to check it out it's a very good read this isn't necessarily true with sears but he's also not a pure side armor right um, usually as the article shows better at getting called strikes not necessarily true for him while he doesn't do well at getting called strikes though it's a pitch he often goes to with two strikes but the put away rate not really fantastic for him let's move on to the breaking pitches right so as we discussed earlier Sears technically has a slider and a sweeper last year Sears had a curveball and a sweeper sort of, right? So let's start with last year. Sears has this kind of slurvy sort of curveball that really is just like kind of the definition of a slurve. Like it's not a curve. It's not a slider. It's like right in between. It gets about seven inches of horizontal movement, about 47 inches of total drop and negative four induced vertical break. He throws like literally one sweeper that like maybe he throws, maybe it's a miscategorization. Either way, the only breaking ball he's really going to is his curveball overall. This year, however, we have two different breaking pitches, um, although a good amount of bleed between them. Both are 100% new pitches for Sears, though, as now he doesn't really have a pitch that crosses below the x-axis on a pitch break chart, right? So remember the x and y-axis? He usually had something that would kind of go below zero and have a good amount of drop to it. This year, he really doesn't. He has nothing that averages you know, below the x-axis. He doesn't really have a pitch that drops all that much comparatively. So... On the one hand, he has a new sweeper, right? Gets about 11 inches of horizontal vertical, horizontal vertical, what? Horizontal break, horizontal vertical break. This pitch gets 11 inches of horizontal break with about six inches of vert. Um, There are a shocking few amount of lefties that throw sweepers, according to some of the resources I'm looking at, though maybe it's not that shocking, considering it's tougher to throw a sweeper against a right-handed hitter. But if we adjust for handedness, the 11 inches of horizontal break that he gets isn't really an insane amount of sweep. It'd be kind of like more like league average. The pitch definitely gives him something much more horizontal to work with than he had last year. The slurve wasn't terrible in terms of horizontal movement. It was a slurve as opposed to a curve after all, but we're talking about three inches more horizontal movement on average. 
I think it's also important to circle back to the sort of unique release point we were talking about before. Remember, he drops down a bit lower to throw the sweeper and the slider. When you're dropping down, you should be lowering your vert a little bit, right? But while, while giving you a flatter VAA. But when he's dropping down to the sweeper, he's actually getting more vert. It's like a really interesting profile on the sweeper, I think. In terms of the sweeper performance for Sears, it's not great. 320 Woba, 30% whiff rate, which is good, right? The pitch comes in around uh, 81, which is a little bit above average, which is interesting. He uses that pitch relatively frequently to right-handed hitters, as mentioned. And I mean, seriously, he's not afraid to like come and back foot these guys with the pitch. The problem is he can't really do it with a lot of consistency and he's going to hang them and guys are going to hit him. I mean, the pitch is a 342 Woba against just righties with a 34% whiff rate. It's worth noting it's a 203 batting average against. So it's mostly that when it's in play, it's just getting hit relatively hard. Now, again, you might go to different sites and see different numbers. Pitcherless just says the slider and so does fan graphs. And that's going to make breakdowns a little bit difficult, but I'm using baseball savant as I think for this particular player, their info is the most accurate. When it comes to the slider, it has more of a cutterish profile to the pitch or what some would call a slutter, right? A kind of slider cutter mix. The pitch gets two inches of horizontal break and a good amount of vert at eight inches. In terms of movement profile, it's relatively close to Blake Snell's. However, it comes in much, much, much slower than Blake Snell's. Remember, Blake Snell's, it's like 88 89 with it, and Sears is at like 82. Um, with that said, second most vert of any slider thrown by a lefty starter at the moment. And as I mentioned before, there's not a lot of clear difference between his slider and his sweeper. Every once in a while, the slider will get a bit more horizontal break, and every once in a while, the sweeper won't break as much. Meanwhile, they both maintain the same level of vert. I imagine that makes up these numbers a little moot, is maybe some of these sliders or sweepers and so forth and so on, but it's worth noting that the slider, as listed on Baseball Savant, is actually his best pitch in terms of performance. But again, also, the pitch that he goes to the least, right? About 9%, just 137 thrown, but it's got a 74 batting average against, 074, and a 176 Woba. Of the 137 he has thrown, there have just been 15 balls in play with one single and a double recorded off the pitch. Small sample size, but encouraging sample size. He's also picking up a 32% whiff rate on the pitch, too. That is the slider. All of this is two righties, which makes sense too, right? Sears' slider doesn't get the same amount of sweep that the sweeper does, and maybe that tighter slider allows him to have a bit more success against right-handed hitters, although it's worth noting the sweeper does indeed have a better zone rate than the slider, which also makes the pitch even more kind of unconventional, right? You would think, okay, a sweeper, I'm going to throw it out of the zone a little bit more, but maybe since he's attacking right-handed hitters, he wants to keep it in the zone because he's worried about hitting them. Maybe not. He likes to back foot them more often than not. Lastly, Let's move on to the final pitch in his arsenal, the changeup. Again, good to remember, he drops down even lower for the changeup. I spoke to a friend of mine who works for a club who remarked that a lot of guys will indeed drop down for a changeup and how sometimes the movement for that pitch, for the changeup, can be based on that release point and arm angle as opposed to the pronation or the grip or something, which is interesting because it isn't something that's like a publicly quantifiable thing at the moment, right? We obviously have a few things that show us how it contributes to the movement of a pitch, right? We have like spin direction or spin efficiency, right? Seam shifted wake, things that we know contribute to the movement of the pitch. But to the best of my knowledge, we don't know how much the arm angle necessarily contributes to the movement of the pitch itself in a vacuum. The changeup gets more horizontal movement than any other changeup thrown by a qualified lefty starter. Let me say that one more time. The changeup gets more horizontal movement than any other changeup thrown by a qualified lefty starter. 17 inches of horizontal movement. 
metrics do not exist in a vacuum, right? But sometimes this is a good thing about analysis. When you see an outlier like that, it's a good thing to build off of. If you see a changeup with that movement profile, it's good because hitters aren't necessarily used to seeing it. However, let's talk about the result, the results, because they're not great. The pitch doesn't get a lot of whiffs, gets a 12% swinging strike rate. That's a 35th percentile in baseball, and it gets hammered a lot. It has a 37% hard contact rate, which is in the 15th percentile. It gives up a 309 Woba, 47th percentile. Remember, this is all to righties, too. He does not throw this pitch same-handed, even though I think he should. I think he very much should. I think the issue is sort of multifaceted, too. Puts it in the zone way too often. 43% zone rate on the changeup, which is 82nd percentile. And while he gets a relatively good amount of called strikes on the pitch, the zone contact rate, so how much contact he gives up to changeups in the zone, is 89%, 26th percentile. Way too much contact. And when, when he can get it out of the zone, he can get a good amount of whiffs, but he just really hasn't shown a remarkable ability to do so. Maybe it's because of where he stands on the rubber, right? He stands really close to the third base side, and maybe that's kind of mitigating the amount of horizontal movement that he's getting as now it's kind of starting in towards the knees of a right-handed hitter and then breaking more towards the middle of the plate and as a result, getting barreled. Maybe that's it. I'm not 100%. I think there are movement profiles there that indicate that this could be a better pitch than it is, but at the moment, it's just missing middle-middle way too much and guys are punishing him as a result. Okay, so overall, what do we learn? about J.P. Sears in in this podcast. J.P. Sears is different from the pitchers we've broken down so far in that he does not have elite velocity. What he does have is one of the flatter fastballs in baseball, one that also gets a unique amount of ride on it, which he loves to come inside both right-handed and left-handed hitters with. Despite what you've seen on various sites, he does indeed have two breaking pitches in his slider and sweeper. The sweeper is more the go-to for sure, and he uses it to back foot righties a lot, though he can hang a few and get punished as a result. The slider he doesn't go to quite as often, though maybe he should, as it's proved an effective weapon against righties in its small sample size. The changeup gets a fantastic amount of run to it, but he leaves it middle-middle way too much, and as a result, it has a really poor hard contact rate, though I think if he can locate out of the zone more frequently, he could have a bit more success. And that's it. I mean, I hope you guys walk away from this with a deeper understanding of J.P. Sears, who he is as a pitcher, and how he has success. As always, please feel read feel free to reach out to me with any questions or comments. Look out for maybe a Twitter poll next week to help me decide who we should break down next. But that is going to do it for episode six of the Alex Fast Show. I'll talk to you guys next week.